From the headquarters of Griggs Systems Incorporated and on-site location, this is the Smarter Building Solutions podcast powered by Griggs Systems. Our show highlights exclusive interviews with industry-leading architects, designers, contractors, manufacturers, and thought leaders who construct our communities and the national infrastructure that connects all of us. Our sustainable and innovative material applications are essential in some of the most iconic building projects in the country, as well as your city and community. The podcast illuminates the challenges, breakthroughs, and proven building material solutions brought to industries, organizations, and communities. For our guest today, I'd like to welcome Christopher Armstrong, Associate AIA, I love to say that AIA, Lead AP and Director of Building Envelope Science for Pace Representatives Incorporated. Pace was uh, incorporated in 1987 as a United States Manufacturers Representative Organization to serve the New England region. Headquartered in the greater Boston region, Pace has grown to represent and distribute some of the world's leading building envelope solution manufacturers. For more information, feel free to visit their website at pacerepresentatives.com. Again, that's pacerepresentatives.com. Chris, thank you for being here. Honored and happy to have you on the show. Well, pleasure. Been looking forward to this. I know it's taken us a little time to get this together. Yeah, well, 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 we'll make up for it with a terrific show. There you go. Chris, as we talked out before on the phone and even in, in our virtual green room, is about a, a quote or a mantra that you use that uh, really doesn't have to be guiding principles, but something that really matters to you? Uh, I mean, ultimately, it is more of a guiding principle than a quote. Oh, okay. And it's really the, the underlying theme of, of all that I do in, in interacting with folks and manufacturers and, and architects and contractors is trying to leave things better than, than how I found them. And there's all different angles and ways that we can go about doing that, but let's make things better. <laughs> How does, when did that start? Is it something that you've adopted when you were young or, or, or why does that mean matter so much to you? Uh, I think it's just always been a guiding principle and I, I think it just stems from my, my, my upbringing. I'm the I'm the weird amalgamation of a teacher and an engineer. <laughs> oh, that's neat. No, I mean, that's beyond neat. Okay, so, so you, everything you do just about with your personal life and professionally, that you, you, you go into that space and you make it better, or at least you, you have the intent try to. to. Yeah. You try to. Yeah, share with us um, how you got started with Pace and you know, working uh, as an architect as well. That's really an interesting uh, combination. Yeah, so I mean, the pathway. I was one of those people that uh, kind of made my or found my career choice pretty early in life. Um, I remember uh, just back in elementary school having to ask the teacher how to spell architect when you had to do one of those exercises in school on uh, write down what you want to be when you grow up. And they get paid this back when you like scotch tape and things got pasted on the wall or whatever. <laughs> and so, yeah, how do you spell architect? And then the, that kind of guided. So throughout school, it'd be doing drafting and things like that. Um, ultimately, that led me going to architecture school uh, and practicing actively practicing architecture for almost 12 years uh, before starting to do what an amazing number of educated architects do. And by, I guess, educated, I mean, having gone to architecture school, starting off in architecture, and then finding t- tangential paths within the broader uh, design and construction community. 
can you get share some examples of uh, where, where you really knew that that's what you wanted to do more as a, of a calling, it seems, than even just as a profession? Well, I mean, early on, it was the, the, the stereotypical understanding of what architecture is, and then going to architecture school. I think the biggest thing that you get out of architecture school is they teach you how to think and to problem solve. And I always found myself, and this is probably the, the engineering side coming through from my, from my father, is I always found myself enjoying the technical aspects of architecture more. Uh, so even in, in architecture school, anytime we had the, the curriculum was pretty regimented. You don't have a lot of elective choice. Uh, but when I did, I'd err more on the, the technical choices. And similarly, once I got out in the, the practicing field, uh, my interest and expertise quickly gravitated towards the, the technical sides of architecture. So the, the project management and then the core and shell and the, 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 the building science aspects of things. So yeah. you can see that kind of establishing the, the foundation for ultimately where I am today. Yeah, I love that the building science facet of it all. Can you share with us a bit more of, of um, not no, just why it matters to you, but also with pace and the and the building science and how come it's so uh, uh, it's vital? Well, it's how we get things right, and it's how we make sure buildings uh, perform the way they're supposed to, uh, don't have unintended consequences, and when we'll perform in a resilient and robust way, and actually meet the the energy efficiency indoor environmental quality, thermal comfort expectations and, and requirements. Uh, the more I delved into it, the more I quickly realized how infrequently uh, we were actually getting to uh, the, the requirements and intents for, for projects. Wow. It also, I like that you like the problem solve. Uh, is, is that, um, this is a a baited question, but and maybe even a too relevant to one. But your ability to problem solve happens on a daily basis. Can you share with us some of the, your most recent experiences? Maybe you don't have to mention clients, or if you unless you want to, but we'd love to hear it. Uh, some of the most recent ones, and it works broadly, but tying into specifically into the SVK side of things, which uh, is ultimately where where we'll we'll get to is um, right now working with a, on a couple of different projects where we're helping to uh, work out and refine optimization. Uh, so it's making sure that we get as much of the format material that's produced up on the walls of buildings. Uh, and that's working with the, the contractor customer, uh, as well as on the more on the architectural side is working with an architectural team to help them integrate some unique uh, detailing that they're trying to accommodate while, while working within uh, the manufacturer's technical guidance and requirements for the use of their products and systems. How much do the, the architects rely on you when it does come to the envelope, the building envelope? I mean, is it almost exclusive or oftentimes they have some familiarity with it or they, they really like, they need you big time? Uh, there, there's a broad range. I mean, we have some, we have some dedicated followers um, that will uh, will reach out to us each and every time uh, they're working on enclosures uh, for for their projects. Uh, there are others that will reach out occasionally, and then there are some folks where uh, I have the fortune of working with them because I'm able to learn more from them than they than they learn from me, <laughs> yeah. and I'm able to take that information that I learned from working with them and impart that on on other projects and those that might not. Uh, be as fortunate to have such a robust 
uh, technical knowledge within their particular firm. I find something really interesting about you, Chris, is that you have a, uh, obviously an expertise and um, a great knowledge, but there's still a sense of uh, wonderment or wanting to learn more. Am I right? Or Oh, absolutely. And okay. The, the, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's it, it, just kind of who you are or, or, or you know, part of the culture at Pace as well? I think it's some of both. Okay. And could you share with us the culture at Pace so that uh, you know, your audience can get a, get a feel of, of the people, the personnel, the, uh, the, just the general uh, mindset of Pace and how, how they operate? I mean, overall, I mean, the mindset, and I think the, the owner of the company has pulled together a real quality group of people. And I think he looks for some common characteristics and traits, and it, it's folks that want to work, um, folks that want to help, and folks that have experience in the industry and or uh, want to learn. And any successful company, I think, has a balance of, of, of the gurus and then the understudies. And I had the fortune of even uh, coming into pace with a, a fair amount of industry knowledge. I had the benefit of, of being both a guru and an understudy at the, simultaneously. Uh, share with us a bit about the guru facet of it. Uh, well, the, the, the guru facet, I think it's coming, I am, I'm, I'm still kind of a rare bird, but it's coming with all my experience in, in, the, in the design and architectural community. It's helping uh, the manufacturer, sales, and distribution side of the industry better understand what it is that the design community is looking for, uh, how they approach projects, and uh, how little time uh, the average architect will have to make choices and decisions about particular aspects on their project. Uh, manufacturers, they are so focused and know so much about their particular thing uh, that sometimes uh, they forget how little time the rest of the world has to understand all of the, the, the nuance that goes into their particular thing. This is fascinating. You're listening to the Smarter Building Solutions podcast powered by Griggs Systems. We're talking today with Christopher Armstrong, architect lead and lead AP, as well as director of building envelope science at Pace Representatives. For more information, please visit PaceRepresentatives.com. Again, that's PaceRepresentatives.com. Chris, um, can you share with us, uh, touch on again, what recent projects you've worked on or are working on currently, if you're at liberty to share them with us? Uh, we have the fortune of, and that's one of the unique aspects in, in being in the position I'm in now. Uh, I mean, back when my practicing architecture days, I mean, I might work on anywhere from five to 15 projects in a year. Uh, now, I'll, but much, but in depth. Whereas now I'll touch five to 15 projects each and every week, uh, but only focused on, on certain aspects. Uh, so focusing it on the, on the SVK and the cladding side, I mean, we're fortunate uh, right in Northern California. We have a, a, a large uh, cladding project ongoing in, in Northern California. Uh, the first uh, Cut and drilled material is actually being delivered to the site next week, so it's an exciting time uh, on that project. 
Uh, and we have a couple of similar large size projects going on uh, throughout in other areas of, of the country as well. Yeah. That, how was that initially for you, that, that level, that volume level difference? Uh, it's not as much of a shock as it might first come off. And I think that's because of the, the three-year bridge I had between uh, the architecture firm and, and joining Pace and, and taking on the role that I'm in today in that they had about a three-year uh, junket uh, at a, a local building commissioning company. I say local. Uh, I'm based up here in, in New England, so it was in, in the New England area. And it was, it was a very good bridge from going from architecture in the 5 to 15 per year to Pace at the 5 to 15 per week because it was probably in the, the 15 to 30 range at the, the commissioning company. Uh, so it was not as in-depth as um, my days in the architecture firm, um, but more in-depth than uh, what I do uh, in my role with Pace today. Yeah, you, you talked earlier about how little time uh, that the architects have to select the material. Um, can you dive in a bit about that and, and why um, it's important and your part in expediting that. Well, I mean, I think it's, it's, and I hate to broad brush because, I mean, there is variability uh, with different architectural firms, project types, etc. But, I mean, ultimately, uh, the architect has the, the pleasure and the burden of having to address so many different aspects of the project and obviously, they have a, a fee structure and a, a time and schedule that they need to do it all in. So, constantly having to prioritize what are the and the more the most time gets spent on what are considered the, the the most important and key aspects of a project, whereas other aspects that are lower on that priority list, either you're relying on what you did last time, or you're making a decision based on a, a much lower level of of research and time investment. And that's really where the value of folks like myself and I roll in pace and supporting the, the folk, Katya and the folks over at Grig Systems comes in is we can really help fill that, that need for an architect in getting him as, making it as easy as possible for him to get as much information as possible to make that informed decision within that small amount of time and bandwidth that they have to, to, to do it. And, that, and it's important in understanding that so we can and our role with SVK, the Belgian manufacturer of fiber cement, is help them understand that, pull together all that information and making sure all that information is readily available in an organized and understandable fashion uh, to support making that informed decision and hope, ultimately, hopefully, improve uh, the chances that uh, the solutions that we're putting forward are the ones that are selected. Without giving away company... Uh intellectual property. Can you share with us some of your process and how you streamline that as much as, as possible so that you at least have a standard or process checklist, if you will, that with each prospective existing client or even an existing client? Uh, I think it's, I don't have a formal checklist. I'll, I'll, okay. I'll come out right off the bat. And then really the first step is it's to ask questions and, and, and listen. It's the opportunity to work with the team and Ask them like, all right, do you have any renderings? Um, what are the what are the, the key requirements that you're you're looking to achieve on, on on the project? What are the priorities? Are we aesthetic driven? Are we performance driven? And 
that that Q and A helps drive us down, lead us down a path, and start to narrow down uh, the options that we put forth and help us align what we think will best meet what their key requirements are for our project. Yeah, like listening. Uh, obviously, you have a, a tremendous amount of knowledge and expertise, but if you are uh, to put a percentage on how important listening to each new client is, uh, could you do so? And if so, how important is it to actually hear what your client is is saying and what they're looking for and really ascertain what the outcome they want is? Hey, the, the listening is more important. I mean, even if you don't know the answer, uh, if you know what it is that they want and, and you understand that, you can go find the answer for them. You don't need to necessarily have it in your back pocket right out the gate, uh, as opposed to coming in with a preconception, saying, not even asking a question or having a conversation, saying, here, this is what you want to use. Uh, I don't see that being a successful formula, either <laughs> on this side uh, or having been in uh, the, the other seat 5, 10, 15 years ago. <laughs> Do you look at projects that are not projects of yours Yet, at least, and just say, "Oh, they would do terrific with our, our, uh, you know, our, our envelope." Do you ever look at things that aren't your clients and say, "Oh God, I wish." How do I get a hold of them? Because I know we could really help them. Just, just from your experience and sight, just, just being around your area of, uh, of work. Uh, from an architectural background, I'm constantly walking around critiquing things. <laughs> we joke. Uh, uh, we jokingly always say, yeah, architects are always walking around punch listing buildings and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and either in second guessing or wondering why something is, is the way it is. Uh, sometimes, uh, yeah, you can assume with a higher level of confidence than others, why something might be the way it is. <laughs> I like that. And, and are you able, able, are you ever able to turn it off, I get excited, so that's why sometimes I stammer. But are you able to turn it off, Chris? Occasionally. Oh, you said occasionally. Why so? Why only occasionally? Uh, I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, okay. brain's constantly churning. I mean, the occasionally thing is if if all that's between uh, me and the ocean is my feet and a little bit of sand, it's turned <laughs> off. <laughs> uh, but otherwise, if if, uh, if, it, if it's during the day and I'm walking around, especially like out in the city in between appointments or other things, it, it, it's constantly going. <laughs> yeah. So with that constantly going, is that, is that uh, just the, the architect facet of you or just kind of you and uh, your personal DNA? Uh, I, I, I found it to be relatively common uh, across the architectural community, at least all the, the, the folks that I've had the, the pleasure in interacting with and knowing over the years. Um, uh, that and I think it's just as we we touched on earlier. I'm constantly looking to 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 learn new things. So I think you tie those two things together, and that's why it's on most of the time. Uh, I'm gonna go back to that Wor working with cities, specific cities, even states, or, or even federal projects. Can you share with us, you know, what's changed in the last couple of years? Uh, you know, working with building departments and how to expedite approvals for uh, you know material uh it, it's variable i mean I found the common threads with uh public work so whether it be at municipal state or governmental level is 
Uh, they, they generally try to stir away from proprietary uh, products and specifications. They, more often than not, that's actually written into whatever their, their public bidding laws might be. And they tend to not be the, want, want to be the first ones to do things. They want to see that whatever it is that's proposing to be used or, or to be done has been done before and has been done successfully in, under similar circumstances. I, I have that conversation quite often with people. There's, there's, there's the, the 1% of people that want to be the first or project teams that want to be the first to do something. And then there's the other 99% of, the, of the, the owners and architects and project teams that don't want to be the first to, to do something. <laughs> And they want to wow. they want to have the confidence that it's been done before and and been done successfully. Great view on this. You're listening to the Smarter Building Solutions podcast, pioneered and powered by Griggs Systems. That was a perfect segue to be that pioneer there. We're talking today with Christopher Armstrong, architect and lead AP, as well as director of Building Envelope Science at Pace Representatives, our public service for today is for the um, Yankee Golden Retriever Rescue Incorporated. The, uh, the Yankee Golden Retriever Rescue is about compassion. Their mission is to provide comprehensive medical care, behavioral evaluations, and adoptive homes to homeless golden retrievers. In the six New England states, goldens may be admitted from the outside New England on a case-by-case basis as well. For more information, you can go to their website at YGRR.org. That's YGRR.org. I love that. Grr. Perfect for, for the uh, Yankee Golden Retriever Rescue. Chris, can you share with us uh, why uh, the rescue means uh, much to you? Uh, I'm a dog lover. We've got uh, our, our dogs are our children. Uh, our dogs are goldens. Uh, I say I say dogs plural. Currently, we have one, and he's a he's an he's an old boy, uh, but we we he he keeps us going, and we keep him going, and and, it, and it's good. <laughs> Very good. And it's a it's a time it's a it's a time I look forward to uh, each day than than I'm around locally, regardless of how bad a day might be. Uh, the the walk with the the dog or dogs at the end of the day makes whatever troubles happened earlier disappear. Very true. Very true. Chris, with uh, business and uh, commerce evolving, um, what's changed, say, in the last three to five years in, uh, uh, in your experience for the expectations and the outcomes of your clients? Uh, I mean, a couple of things. Uh, we, and this is broadly, it's even just beyond uh, uh, design and construction. And you know, I think as a society, we're becoming more data-driven. Uh, and I can definitely see that happening in, in design and construction. And I think that's why it's an important for uh, folks that are representing uh, products and manufacturers, as well as the manufacturers, to have all of the applicable data so people can fully understand uh, whatever it is their product or their solution is and, and be able to provide that in a way that helps people understand it and make an informed an educated decision, and then that's a big role where we come in, uh, both with the, the manufacturers we represent as well as the ones we, we we distribute. And again, as it relates to SVK, one of our big roles as as, as their North American distributor uh, is helping them understand as a European manufacturer 
what our North American and especially U.S. isms are, uh, other than the fact that they live in the world of metric and we live in the world of imperial units. <laughs> that's, that's the obvious one. They just move the decimal point back and forth. We've made life far more complicated for ourselves than, than is necessary. Um, but then beyond that, it's, I mean, we, const we, we approach projects differently and especially we construct differently. Uh, so I, their normal way of understanding and doing things might not have a direct translation uh, to how we operate in the U.S. markets. We help bridge that gap. And so we'll play the role. We'll identify, yep, here's all the data. Here's all the, the required tests and norms and everything that we need to make sure that this material or solution has gone through uh, to ensure that it is suitable for use in the U.S. and, and, and North America and that we have all the appropriate documentation to demonstrate that it is indeed code compliant and suitable for use and allow for, for those that are doing all of their, their due diligence or research and allow for a comparison with, with other potential competitors or alternate solutions. Chris, what uh, would you like to share with your audience today that we haven't touched on? Oh, I think the big thing is uh, a, a lot of the focus is, has been on, on myself and Pace, but I mean, more broadly, part of the reason why we're having this conversation today is uh, Katya and their team over at Grig Systems. Uh, they're our local representative for SVK, which is that Belgian-based manufacturer for, for high-density fiber cement solutions. Uh, we're fortunate to have a, a good project ongoing in her area where we're delivering that material now. Uh, so it's understanding kind of that, that, that tie-in. And that they're, the, they're our local representative, boots on the ground. Uh, they're well-informed and have all that supporting information. Uh, they have us based stateside as well to help support their efforts and address any concerns that might come up on a project and serve as that bridge over to our, our, our Belgian friends over, over in Europe. Excellent. Chris, it's been a real honor and pleasure having you uh, on our show today. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you again, Chris. Our guest today has been Christopher Armstrong, architect, lead AP, and director of Building Envelope Science for PACE Representatives Incorporated. PACE was incorporated in 1987 as a United States Manufacturers Representative Organization to serve the New England region. Headquartered in the greater Boston region, PACE has grown to represent and distribute some of the world's leading building envelope solution manufacturers. For more information, feel free to visit PACErepresentatives.com. You've been listening to the Smarter Building Solutions Podcast, powered by Grig Systems. Our show highlights exclusive interviews with industry-leading architects, designers, contractors, manufacturers, and thought leaders who construct our communities and the national infrastructure that connects all of us. Our sustainable and innovative material applications are essential in some of the most iconic building projects in the country, as well as your city and community. The podcast illuminates the challenges, breakthroughs, and proven building material solutions brought to industries, organizations, and communities. We look forward to you joining us again next time. I'm Tom Dior.